Have you been keeping an eye out for Selena? (laughs) (laughs) I am Nikki Nikki. So, Uh yeah, I have been. Yeah, in fact. Good. Make make sure <laughs> you watch out. Are you on Team Selena or Team Haley Bieber? I want you to guess who's team I'm it better on. be Selena. Obviously it's Selena. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like not. Haley Bieber actually hasn't really like done like anything like publicly. Everyone's just really like <laughs> speculating about everything she does. Totally. So it's just like, totally. why are we canceling her for her not actually saying like I feel bad for both I do of too. Them. I feel bad for both. And like of them, why? So why like, is this such a big deal? I feel like it was definitely I know like we do not have to talk about this on our podcast, but I just also feel, I feel like, like it was we do actually need to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. We're turning this podcast around. From now on, we're doing TikTok gossip only. <laughs> But this is paranormal, everyone. Just by the way, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. I don't think that it was. Um, but okay, wait, wait. Before you say anything, before you say anything more. Okay. 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 But are we the budget versions of Selena and Haley Bieber? <laughs> You're not that mean. <laughs> You're. You're not that mean. You're a little mean. Wait, who are we being mean to? Us? No, Haley is mean. Some like she's oh, a mean girl. I think. Oh, I think oh, she's a mean oh, girl. Oh, sorry. Were I, you referring to yourself as Selena? No, I was referring to myself as Haley okay. Bieber. That's what I. Thought. I didn't mean okay. personality wise. I just meant right it's now fine. we've got like a blonde and a brunette in a room, oh, the way we and like, I feel like you, you know, you're a, a little bit. I know, well, in separate rooms, mm-hmm. but still, I just yeah, feel no, like we true. could be the the compare mm-hmm. and contrast of those those Fair two enough. right now. But no, Fair I'm not enough. that mean. I also just feel like she's a child. No. Like she's just yeah, a she young girl who, like, yeah. I really just need. Okay, so this is about this is about horoscopes, which we will lead into. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah, yeah. Justin Bieber is going through his Saturn return right now, and I think shit is mm-hmm. going to go down with him and his oh mental God, really? just awareness of life. Okay. Because, okay, so when I was in, like, I was, like, 24-ish, I was, like, single for a while, yeah. whatever, and then I met someone around 26, so, like, two years later, and I really honestly should have just stayed single. Like, I wasn't, I didn't need to be spending my 20s in a serious relationship taking care of a man. Like, I didn't need to be doing that. Not that I took- Is this the man you brought to my wedding? Mm, yes. I'm so okay. sorry. Um, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. <laughs> It was fun still wedding. fun. Yeah, for sure. Like, no problem. Like, it was fun. But no, um, no problem. I, I just think that I could have been really, like, focusing on myself and my life without that person in it. Like, yeah, yeah. it wasn't yeah. necessary. But because I think I was at an age where I just felt like I, I, a lot of people were in committed relationships and that was the thing that you kind mm-hmm. of did. Um, and you don't really have that much else going on in your life. Mm-hmm. So like that stuff seems to fill the void a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I realized at around when during my Saturn return, which was 29, mm-hmm. something just went off in my brain. Like it mm-hmm. literally went off and I was like, I don't mm-hmm. want this anymore. I my my focus is developing myself and my life 
And mm-hmm. like, you know, I know Justin Bieber's in a different phase of his life because he tax has bracket? a little different yeah. tax bracket. Oh, yeah. So he, he had different, he has different needs in life. He's already met a lot of the things that I needed to accomplish at that time. Yeah, yeah. However, it was more than that. It was more about understanding myself yeah, and understanding what, what made me happy and realizing that that wasn't what was going to make me happy ultimately. Yeah. And I just wonder if this whole, you know, this rash thing with Haley Bieber getting married, blah, 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 all of that is going to catch up to him. Like I just, I'm very, very interested. Yeah, and like the, the astrologers on TikTok are theorizing very this. quickly. What? Oh, yeah. I need to, I need to get, cause I'm in very much in the Selena Haley TikTok right now, but m- the people that I'm seeing are very much more like, look at all these tweets Haley used to write about Justin and look at this. And like, I would love to see the astrology side of this whole. Yeah. Whole so that's situation. what I'm, that's what I'm seeing. So I was just like, okay, let's I see. Have a question. Yeah. Question. Your Saturn return. Does that only happen on your, like when you're 29? It usually happens. Like it usually happens thing? in your, after 27 to 30 is usually the time frame that it happens in. Interesting. Um, it depends. It's, there's something happening for Geminis and Leos right now and like a bunch of other signs that are like, we're about to go through it again. What? Really? Yeah. They just told me yeah. that I was going to be fine finally. I know. You are. You are. Not. There was like a bunch of things. <laughs> I can just tell. Okay. No, you're good. Leo placements. You were in a setback for three years. It's ending in March. That's what I thought. I thought by March 7th, things are supposed to get a little bit better. You are. Sorry, you are. It's not you. It's me. Something bad's going to happen to me. Okay. (laughs) But I also have heavy Leo places. You do. So So it might offset. It might offset your bad. We'll see. Because it says Leo placements. Oh. It doesn't say like Leo suns. It says Leo placements. Got it. Right? So Leo placements, good things are about to happen. You've been grinding for like three years. Fucking right I have. And like it's about to pay off basically. Um, The grind is about to like pay off big time is what she's saying. Mm -hmm. And then there's Aries, Cancer, Capricorn, and Libra. They're about to be very lucky. They're the luckiest signs. And they're going to have a lot of luck coming up in March. Okay. Um. Anything that they manifest or work towards this month, they're going to be successful in, she's saying. Then there's Gemini, Virgos, Sagittarius, and Pisces. Uh, Apparently, we've been unhinged and aggressive (laughs) for seven months because we were very affected by Mars Mm. and Gemini. Mm -hmm. Like Mars was in Gemini. So we're finally going to find peace and relaxation in our lives. We're going to be able to take it a lot more easily, but... Beginning in March, Saturn entered Pisces, and we're going to experience a three-year-long hustle. Over the next three years, these signs are going to be working harder than any other sign. And the workload is going to be intense, but at the end of the three-year period, the signs will achieve their long-term goals, and they will have massive success because of their hard work and discipline. And you have Gemini placements as well. I do, just Venus. And Admir has Virgo. Yeah, Admir has Virgo, So and Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm like I have overwhelmingly Gemini placements. I think I have two, mm-hmm. but it depends on where they are, I guess. Um, okay. so I don't know. Um, and I saw another one that said something about like 
Geminis are going to like, it was bad. It was bad news about how like the next three years, Geminis are going to like be getting their karma or like that, like Geminis and some other signs. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? What do you mean? I can't, I can't handle Um, another three years of this, man. Like I've literally been, and, and the three years is that was when I was let go during to from my job right before the pandemic oh hit mm-hmm. and then luckily found a job within three weeks and then because no one was hiring after that like yeah. by a, by March of the year no one was hiring for like a, a right. year and then well not a year maybe six months um but still right. I would have been shit out of luck had I not you know got that job but that oh job God, no. set me on a course of just grinding fucking yeah. every day. I would I would work at Starbucks over that. Legitimately, I agree with you. I'm a hundred percent with you on this. I was just saying to Stephen the other night that like I would just love to go back to retail and work a job that like I really don't have to care about. <laughs> that people aren't gonna be like it's not that you don't care about it or have to deal with bullshit because you absolutely do. Like mm-hmm. it is bullshit, but at the end it of is. but the bottom line is not riding on your fucking ass every day. Exactly. Like every day I exactly. feel like it's just like, how do you contribute to the bottom line? And it's just like yes. when you're in retail, it's just like I have no effect on this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping that I can make my sales today. Sure. <laughs> and uh, that's about it. Yeah. Anyway, that's my thoughts on that. And right. I don't, I can't. The plan, the planets need to apologize figure out their shit. So anyway, what is our daily horoscope? Let's take it day by and day here. By let's take it okay. some day by day and let's do some horoscopes for the day. So okay. um, I'll go first. I'll read yours okay, first because you went first last great. time. Okay. So I'll go. I'll go first. Okay, so all the knowledge in the world will be no match for the emotional energy in the air on a day like today, Leo. You may be carried away into a mystical realm where feelings take precedence over facts. Let go of reality for a while and free yourself from the hectic pa- and free yourself from the hectic pace of everyday life. There's a strong pull towards the fantasy realm today, so feel free to go there. <laughs> Okay, so this is kind of f- funny. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, so we've been watching True Blood. <laughs> I've never watched True Blood before because I cannot it's stand a good blood. Fucking show. But it's I faint show. at the sight of blood. I faint at the sight of any of it. So it's really was something that I've just never really been interested in. But we're on season mm-hmm. four when she reveals she finds out that she's a fae. Oh, and yeah. so they just had the like fey realm like scene and everything and like I was just like why am I okay. watching this like why right. this is why am I into this why right am I now? into this right now <laughs> I know I watched a few seasons of True Blood and I was super into it and then I I just stopped I don't know why I got out yeah of it, but it was good I liked it it, it is good show. anyway that's what I'm watching really right now funny. so that's I mean I guess it rings true. a little bit yeah, a little bit I, I would say yeah. so that's really anyway, funny. and I'm like really into it. Like I, I'm, I'm like, okay, when's the next time we can watch True Blood? Anyway, um, okay, so sure, I guess that's true. I, that was a very yeah. random horoscope, but that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Totally. So yours is. It may be difficult to deal with people who seem spaced out and confused today, Gemini. 
This confusion can be contagious. You will find that no matter how much logic you apply to the situation, if it doesn't feel right, it won't happen. Things will flow naturally or they won't flow at all. Ease into the relaxed atmosphere of the day and don't worry if things don't happen as quickly as you'd like. This is so on point for my day today, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I was just talking to you about how my husband and I had a conversation about like buying a house or selling this house and possibly buying another house and like logically I'm like it would be a good time to do this now but then I'm also like I don't know like it 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 was it was confusion yeah nothing is really clear market is confusion (laughs) right now that's right so no matter how logical I was about it it just it still doesn't feel like the right time Mm -hmm. so it's not going to happen um so it's really funny that it says ease into the relaxed atmosphere of the day because yesterday I said to myself I'm taking a vacation day on Thursday (laughs) I already have this Friday off as my like day off um like every other week we get uh, a Thursday or a Friday off so tomorrow is my day Mm -hmm. off um and I was like I'm gonna take Thursday off as a vacation day to literally do nothing i'm just gonna relax all day and that's exactly what there i did you go. <laughs> and it was lovely i dyed my hair myself out of a box did you did you give your <laughs> kid to your mom yeah he did <laughs> he went to my mom's house all day today oh you because did because i had a self-care day 150 percent amazing I worked for one hour and billed them overtime for Good. it because it's my vacation oh, day. Okay. And and my boss was like, not a problem at yeah. all. <laughs> like at 9 a.m. I logged on. I did an hour of work while I drank my coffee. My kid went to my mom's for the day and I stayed home and I dyed my hair and I put a hair mask yeah. on. Yeah. Sometimes you just and I knit need to fucking. And watched true crime documentaries all day. And it was glorious. It was such a good day. And I felt, I feel relaxed and rejuvenated and I'm ready to go tomorrow for like my appointments and shit that I have booked tomorrow okay. but I needed it for my own mental yeah that's well-being. fair I was feeling so burnt out and so like I did not feel like a human being anymore I get it so man. I was like I just need a day to just focus on myself and do whatever I want to do and that's what I did cool so yeah mm. all right well okay you're gonna go first yeah I'm ready yeah okay. I'm ready I'm ready can light it up Okay. <laughs> Light it up. All right. So I'm going to be telling you the story of the ghosts of the Halifax explosion. So our story takes place in the northern part of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Sheila Smith, an artist, and her business partner had opened an art gallery for the disabled called Veith Street Gallery Studio in a historic building called the Veith House. It was a replica of an orphanage that had been destroyed by the Halifax explosion. So what's the Halifax explosion? Because I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what it was was on the morning of December, uh, of December 6, 1917, the French cargo ship SS Mont Blanc collided with the Norwegian vessel SS Emo in the waters of Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. The Mont Blanc was laden with high explosives. It caught fire and exploded, devastating the Richmond district of Halifax. 1,782 people were killed, largely in Halifax and Dartmouth, by the blast. 
debris, fires, or collapsed buildings, and an estimated 9,000 others were injured. The blast was the largest human-made explosion at the time. It released the equivalent energy of roughly 2.9 kilotons of TNT. Jesus. So it was fucking Jeez. massive. The Veith House Orphanage was one of the buildings that had been destroyed in the blast. The orphanage was rebuilt not long after the destruction of the first one because an orphanage was needed so desperately. When Sheila had first started working at the Veith House, she had heard whispers about the ghost boy. She didn't really think much of it, and in fact, she thought that it would be kind of neat to see or hear something. One day, when Sheila was upstairs in the house by herself, she was cleaning up, and she noticed that the room had gone dead silent. And she made... And she made... (laughs) Can I leave that in? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And she meant dead silent. She didn't hear any creaking of pipes or of floorboards, no sound of the wind outside, nothing. And no sooner did she realize the silence did she hear a child calling her name. Sheila! She said it was a very distinct and very clear voice. Mm -hmm. She turned around and didn't see anyone or anything. So she continued doing her work of cleaning up the room that she was in. And that's when she felt a chill on her back. She said that she could feel that the air had gone different. That's when she heard giggling and the running of children's footsteps. She ran out to the hallway to look and see if there was anyone in the hallway, and it was empty. Mm -hmm. But the sound of giggling and running footsteps back and forth through the hallway continued right past her, as if a child was running back and forth, like wearing an invisibility cloak. Cool. (laughs) Like right in front of her Harry Potter. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sheila said that she was so scared. Uh, she was holding a pen in her hand and she was gripping it so tightly that she heard it crack. Mm. So this brings her back to like, oh, my God. Um, she turns around. She goes back into the studio that she had just been cleaning. Mm-hmm. And she looks down and there's paper that's left over from when people were doing artwork that day. Uh, didn't clean it up. Okay. And that's when she sees fresh child-sized handprints in paint all over the blank pieces of paper that had been left in the room uh, that were previously blank now they are not blank she folds up the papers with the handprints and puts them away sometime later like a time in the future she goes to find those pieces of paper with the handprints on them and they're gone they disappeared Mm -hmm. One year, she had a Christmas party at the Veith house, and while she was getting the food and drinks together, she heard the same giggling and footsteps running around. She went to look to find out where the child was, and she finally sees the ghost boy. And at first, she did not realize that he was a ghost. The first thought that popped into her head was that his clothes looked outdated, but she thought it was just the style that his parents had chose to dress him in. Like when sometimes parents, this is what I wrote, (laughs) quote, this is my brain here. Like, you know how sometimes parents dress their children up in an outfit that makes them look like a sailor or they'll dress them in like suspenders and a paper boy cap or something. Like that. She was like, okay, it's like a Christmas outfit. Sure. Um, So she asked the little boy where his parents were and he tells her that he doesn't know where his parents are. So she says, well, they've got to be here somewhere. And he says, 
I don't know where they are. So she tells him not to leave the area that he's in and not to play on the stairs that were nearby. She tells him she's going to go find his parents. Mm -hmm. So she goes back to the Christmas party and she's asking every single person in attendance one by one if they had brought their small, young, blonde child with them. And every single person at the party said no. She goes back to the spot where she found the child playing and he was gone. And I guess at the house, they had photographs of the children who used to live at the orphanage. And she found him amongst a stack of photos of the children who had passed away in the Halifax explosion. She said that it was undeniably the same little boy that she had spoken to. Neat. Right? Late one afternoon. Well, I mean, he could have been a demon. So I'm just glad that we didn't go in that direction. (laughs) You're right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely correct. Late one afternoon, Sheila was in the studio and she remembered uh, because there was an electrical storm outside. And on one side of the building, the trees were touching the window and she remembered thinking that the window was going to come through if the wind got any harder. And there was a huge flash of lightning. She's talking there to her business partner and she again feels the, the air change. And what Sheila assumes is that because of the electrical storm, there was so much electricity in the air, which means extra energy floating around, Mm -hmm. that the spirit was able to use this energy to start to manifest itself again. The little boy started appearing out of thin air right before their eyes. She could see him standing in front of her, and then he walked right through her. She kind of like doubled over when this happened. And then it happens again, but this time he walks through her from behind. So like where he just walked to and then back again. Um, The little boy thought it was hilarious because he was giggling at her while she was running back and forth through her body. Because every time he'd run through her, she would double over like, oh, Oh my God. Okay. So and he was like laughing at her. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That is kind of funny, though. Right. Like so Sheila sees mm -hmm. the little boy's behavior as him just playing around and mostly just harmless games. But there was another spirit in the Veith house whose games ended up disturbing her. Sheila decided that she was going to do a research project on the Veith house and she found herself in the library a lot more often looking up information about the spirits that inhabited the house. She had looked back at some of the city records of the employees and what types of things went on there and found out that they had nurses and matrons who worked at the orphanage. From what she read, just before the explosion, one of the matrons who looked after the children had heard some rumbling coming from the harbor. Now, at the time, World War I was going on, so she thought that it had something to do with that. She thought that they were being bombed. Okay. So the first thing she did was gather up as many children as she could, and she took them, took them down to the basement, And unfortunately, this is where herself and most of the children died. One day, Sheila was visiting one of the staff members, who was also a friend of hers, in the main basement of the house. They were in her office, which was at the end of a hallway facing the harbor. They had to go upstairs for something, so on their way down the hall, there was a small children's bathroom on the right-hand side. Her friend was ahead of Sheila, so as the friend walked past the bathroom first, and at like as so her friend walks sorry her friend walks past the bathroom first and as Sheila is approaching the bathroom she can feel a chill on her right side mm-hmm. so it makes her take a step back backwards yeah. and that's when she sees the matron the matron was following Sheila's friend mm-hmm. her friend turned around and saw Sheila standing there looking very confused 
staring at the matron. So Sheila is staring at the matron. Yeah. And her friend asks her what, what her problem is. Yay. So her, she realizes, oh, shit, she can't see the ghost. Like, she can't see this woman standing here. So Sheila tells her that she can see the ghost of the matron standing right there and that she's almost breathing down her friend's neck. She's standing so close to mm-hmm. her. Sheila's friend is freaked out, so they just, like, run up the stairs. One day, Sheila is again upstairs in the gallery in the office area, and she's talking with her business partner about their business, and again, Sheila feels that the air had changed in the room, and then Sheila sees movement in front of her face, and she said that she kind of had to step back for a second because she couldn't really understand what was happening. She explains that it kind of looked like a heat wave that you see coming off the pavement Mm -hmm. some days. Mm -hmm. So she steps back to try to get her brain to like wrap around what it is that she's looking at. And then she realizes what's going on. She said it went on for about 30 seconds. So it was more than enough time for her to fully comprehend what it was that she was looking at. At this point, her friend asks her what is going on. And Sheila is kind of like, what do you mean? And her friend tells her, well, you just went really pale and are looking at me really weird. So Sheila says to her, do you really want to know? And her friend wants to know what's up. So Sheila tells her that another person's face, the matron, had been overlaid over top of her friend's face. As if the ghost was trying to change her friend's face into her own face. Her friend got really upset about this and uh, Mm -hmm. like left Mm -hmm. after that. One day... Sheila wakes up at home and has a compulsion that she needs to go to the house and do a cleansing. So she goes to the house and she knocks on the door and there's a maintenance person who's working there. So he opens the door for her and she tells him, hey, I just have to go downstairs and do something in the basement. And he's like, what are you doing down there? (laughs) So she fully tells him, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going down there to do a spiritual cleansing. She told him that there's there's some souls in this place that just shouldn't be here, and I thought I would try to send them on their way. So they go downstairs to the sub-basement, and all Sheila has with her is a lighter and a piece of sweet grass. It looked like sage in the episode, but they were calling it sweet grass. Um, so she lit, lights the sweet grass, and she asks the spirits if they could lend her their attention. And then all of a sudden, it felt like feathers or fingertips very lightly all over her skin all at the same time and it's moving all over her body so it felt like there were many fingertips all over her body moving very faintly she said it was very strong but very gentle she could hear voices far off speaking softly there were a lot of voices and it kept growing louder and she could tell that more spirits were joining She could hear a lot of young voices, like children's voices, and she could see the little boy. The little boy seemed to be distracted and looking at something, and Sheila had this feeling that he was looking at a doorway to the other side. And um, then out of the shadows, a stevedore appeared. And for those who don't know what a stevedore is, because I did not know what it was, It is a person employed or a contractor engaged at a dock to load and unload cargo from ships. She felt like she should have been scared, but for some reason she wasn't. She said the stevedore was a very, very large man and all she could smell on him was blood. 
she realized that he had died at the orphanage too. Um, but he was a stevedore who was working down at the harbor. That's when it popped in her head that in the explosion, his body had flown that far from the harbor into the orphanage and he died in the orphanage in the rebel. Sheila said that he was very confused and very angry, but that he began to settle down and so did the rest of the spirits. She said you could hear it and you could feel it. It was almost like a buzz in the air. Once she got all of the spirits in the same area, she put forth to them that if they wish to get out of here, there's a way. Her final words to them were that they were free to go now. And then it was dead silent again. All of a sudden, a huge gust of wind came through the basement. All of the spirits were finally going home where they belonged. Sheila, at this point, is feeling really good. She feels like she helped the spirits pass on to the other side. And when she looks up, she sees the matron is still there. The matron wanted to stay. And so Sheila thought if she wants to stay, she can stay. And that is the story of the ghosts of the Halifax explosion. Wow. And the ghosts of Veith House, really. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I right? never Oh, and my it. source was was a uh, me either my source was an episode of ghostly encounters nice yeah nice. <laughs> um cool well we'll take a little break and uh i've also got some ghosts of uh a, a disaster as well so yeah we're gonna keep on theme for that it's a different type of disaster but yeah Okay, well, um, this is, I just realized, I even though I read, I did read the bulk of this already to myself, um, that this happened March 11th, 2011, which is like almost the anniversary of it. So that's wow, interesting. Wow, it is. Yeah, I had no idea. Me either. So I remember when this came out and I remember the, the Netflix, uh, like many, like the Unsolved Mysteries um episode of it but for some reason we never never did it on the show at the time I I don't know when when it came out I it has to be a couple years now um Mm -hmm. but anyway it was I remember when I watched it how how like compelling it was so I decided to do the story of the um basically the it's a it was a tsunami that happened in Japan um, and it killed more than 15,000 people. So I'll describe what happened. But the places I got my information was from allthatsinteresting.com Tsunami Spirits by Marco Ma- Margitoff. And then mm-hmm. I, the author of the book, which is who basically wrote about all all of the tsunami ghosts. What? You're laughing because I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yawning. you're really yawning. Sorry. It looked like you were really laughing. I was trying to mute it. Uh, sorry, all good. I'm tired. So um, he was on an, um, another podcast on NPR. And um, oh. they, so I, I took some information from there where he, he discussed it in an interview called Tsunami Ghosts Haunt Japanese Earthquake Survey uh, Survivors. And also an article from mirror.co.uk, which obviously is an interesting website, but it was about a specific case um, of someone who had to get an exorcism um, because they were basically possessed by what they believed were the ghosts of this tsunami. 
Oh, shit. Yeah, and that was by Jane Lavender. So for those of you who don't know, and I, I really, like, haven't explained this very well, but survivors of Japan's harrowing 2011 earthquake and tsunami that killed more than 15,000 people claim to keep seeing the restless spirits of the victims known as tsunami ghosts. On March 11, 2011, a devastating magnitude 9.1 earthquake rocked Eastern Asia sea floor, sending a wave of ocean water the height of a 12-story building into Japan's coast. More than 15,000 people lost their lives, millions lost access to running water or electricity, and more than 120,000 buildings were destroyed within a matter of minutes. Jeez. Like, oh my gosh. I, it makes my it makes my stomach turn. Like yeah. just how quickly things oh, yeah. absolutely changed for so many people that day. I know. Um the to so I don't I'm not gonna pronounce this correctly, but the Tohoku earthquake Name for the region of northeastern Japan from which it originated was the most devastating in the nation's recorded history. Well, I would imagine so. Mm-hmm. Shortly after the disaster, traumatized survivors began to see the faces of victims in puddles, wandering the beaches, and appearing at their doors. Disquieting figures drenched in water were also seen hailing cabs, only to disappear once they climbed into the back seat. And these weren't one-off sightings. Residents all across the hardest-hit cities were reporting such apparitions. British reporter Richard Lloyd Perry explored the widespread phenomenon of these tsunami spirits in his nonfiction book, Ghosts of the Tsunami. And the bizarre circumstance was most recently chronicled in an episode of Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries, like I said. Mm -hmm. But explaining this eerie case has not been a simple task. One must consider how Japanese culture, collective grief, and perhaps the truly uncanny work together to create these tsunami spirits. One thing is clear, however, these tales are as hair-raising as they are dumbfounding. It was 2.46 p.m. local time when the earthquake started. Centered 45 miles east of Tohoku, at a depth of 15 miles below the surface of the ocean, it shook the earth for six full minutes, triggering 128-foot waves that crashed into Mayako City in northeastern Japan. Meanwhile, water traveled six minutes inland in Sendai. A total of 217 square miles were flooded, which included the destruction of hospitals, schools, businesses, homes, railways, and everything else. Perhaps most devastatingly, the tsunami also caused a cooling system failure at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant, leading to an infamous meltdown. Japan's reconstruction agency estimated that the financial damage reached $199 billion. The World Bank, meanwhile, estimated the total economic cost to be $235 billion. Holy. In the 65 years after the end of World War II, this is the toughest and the most difficult crisis for Japan, said then Prime Minister Naoto Ken. But as Japan forged ahead with its reconstruction, the disaster lingered in supernatural ways. Richard Lloyd Perry had lived in Japan for 18 years by the time the natural disaster occurred, 
and he was surprised to learn that the nation was more superstitious than he thought. According to Perry, seeing a tsunami ghost in the months following the earthquake was not rare. People's grief and loss and anguish came out, he told NPR in 2014. And what also came out after a few months were stories of ghosts and hauntings and supernatural events to the extent that it almost seemed like an epidemic. In 2016, a graduate student of sociology named Yuka Kudu traveled to one of the cities most ravaged by the disaster, Ishinomaki. She focused specifically on the town's cab drivers, who claimed to have picked up passengers that turned out to be tsunami ghosts. The city suffered 3,097 deaths and reported 2,770 missing persons. A whopping 50,000 buildings had been destroyed there as well. The decimated city saw most of its population relocate, with aimless cab drivers hoping for the best on their shifts. Out of the 100 cabbies Kudo prodded for supernatural stories, seven volunteered. The first cabbie told Kudo of an encounter he had in the summer of 2011. It had only been a few months since the tsunami, and there were barely any customers. He was naturally shocked to suddenly spot a young woman hailing him down in a particularly hard-hit area. Wearing a heavy winter coat in the middle of summer, the figure was also completely drenched. The driver barely had time to realize that it hadn't rained in days before she climbed into the back seat and asked to be driven to the largely abandoned Minamihama district. That area is almost empty, he said while switching on the, on the meter. Are you sure? There was a long silence. Then, in a shivering voice, the woman asked, Have I died? The terrified driver turned around to face the customer, but found absolutely nothing nor anyone in his car. Oh my god. Another cabbie told Kudo that he picked up a confused-looking man in his 20s who kept pointing forward when asked when he, where he needed to go. He simply said, Hi, Yoriyama, a mountain park near the city. After careening up the mountain near Ishinomaki, the driver dropped his customer on a plateau at the summit. But when he turned around to be paid, there was nobody in his car. I mean, you know, there could be people just running away from there. That kind of sucks too, though. (laughs) They're just not getting paid for these ghosts that they're driving around. They're like paying for the gas, guys. Come on. Yeah. Drop a couple coins. Seriously. Perry's investigative book also documents how one man in Carrera said that he now despises the rain as he constantly sees the eyes of tsunami victims he knew in the puddles. That's really sad. The ghost of an old woman is said to haunt a refugee home in Onagawa and to have regularly sat down for a cup of tea there. The cushion that would be left out for her was purportedly soaked in seawater every time her visits were over. So she would sit there and it would be drenched like with a ghost, like water from a ghost. Jeez. Um, One fire station received incessant calls until the firefighters drove to the caller's ruins to pray for the dead. Then the calls stopped completely. But there were more profound instances with tsunami ghosts than these. Perry also spoke with Buddhist priest Reverend Teo Kanida, who told him about a man named Tashaki Ono, whose name isn't actually that, but he wanted to go in honestly, who became possessed. Kanida and Ono both lived miles from the coastline where the worst of the disaster had occurred. While Kanida helped countless people properly bury their loved ones, 
Ono stayed away from the disaster zone until he finally went on his own to face it months later. After seeing this monumental loss and devastation along the beaches, he returned home and had dinner with his family. Afterwards, he went into the backyard and started rolling in the mud, speaking in guttural, aggressive way, and his family was mortified. The next day, he had no recollection of what he had done, and this continued for three days. He was talking in a strange, guttural way, threatening violence, talking about the dead. His family were beside themselves, and they eventually persuaded him to go to the priest who recited the Buddhist sutras and drove out these spirits, and he felt a lot better soon after that. For father of two, Shinichi Kamada, the frightening phenomenon following the tsunami seemed all too real when he and his children tried to rebuild their lives. He had escaped the waves that had destroyed his home and later salvaged two Buddhist statues from the wreckage. But when he brought them back to the temporary housing where he lived, he said strange things began to happen. He claimed his two children suddenly got sick, and an inexplicable chill seemed to follow the family through the house. Yamada explained, A couple of times when I was lying in bed, I felt something walking across me, stepping across my chest. The worried dad, along with many others in the aftermath of the tsunami, felt there was only one place they could turn, to an exorcist. So these priests began conducting exorcisms on these people with one saying it doesn't matter whether ghosts really exist or not. What matters is that these people were in pain and they needed help to cope and survive. And while there's no clear-cut answers to these incidents, perhaps a closer look at the history of Japan's relationship with the spirit realm can provide some insight into the tsunami ghosts. Japan has a long-standing cultural relationship with ghosts or yuri. In the Shinto religion, which means literally the way of the gods and is the indigenous faith of the Japanese people, spirits inhabit all things animate and inanimate. Many Japanese came to believe that because the tsunami took place before they were ready to die, their restless spirit still wanders the plane of reality. And despite global polls suggesting that Japan is one of the least religious nations on the planet, Perry has come to learn otherwise. I hadn't realized how real and alive the cult of the ancestors and the cult of the dead is, Perry reported. The other thing I learned is something I should have known anyway, but that grief and trauma express themselves often very indirectly. Perry believes that Ono is one such example of this. Even though Kanita performed an exorcism on him, as well as many others who believe they were possessed by tsunami spirits, Perry is unconvinced that the supernatural is really behind this phenomenon. But he did agree with Kanita on the principle that these spirits are real to whomever believes to have seen them, and in that context should be taken seriously. He never said to me he didn't believe them. He said what matters is people believe them. It doesn't really matter whether you believe in ghosts. What's real is the suffering and the pain. Perry theorizes that the widespread phenomenon of tsunami ghosts is likely the manifestation of a nation processing its collective trauma and grief. Coastal towns across Japan have indeed found other creative ways to grieve. For instance, the town of Otsuchi installed a phone booth called Phone of the Wild atop a hill overlooking the ocean that allows those in mourning to send messages to their loved ones in another realm. 
Dr. Charles R. Figley of the School of Social Work at Tulane University confirmed that trauma shared by the masses often produces strange collective reactions. It is not uncommon for fellow survivors of catastrophic loss and dislocation to have common reactions, be they paranormal sightings, sounds, or smells. Ghosts for some are more tolerable than the void created by death. And that is the story of the earthquake and tsunami from Japan in 2011. And that's so sad. The paranormal ghosts and tsunami ghosts that came from it. Mm-hmm. I trust the cab drivers. I was going to say, the cab drivers, they've got nothing nothing to lose here. Nothing No, to lose. and they're not going to go and freaking drive around for free. No, definitely not. You know? No. No, I trust them. It's, yeah, it's, I remember watching that episode and thinking, yep. what a story yep. to tell. And I actually was thinking about this, like, just a couple of days ago. It was like, I should totally do that. The, the, the tsunami. tsunami yeah. in Japan. And then I remembered the Halifax explosion episode I had watched, and I thought I'm gonna do that. So I did the one that you originally. You did. (laughs) Well, yeah, like you had originally thought about it. Planning on doing it. Yeah, I wasn't planning on doing it this episode, but I was like, I should cover that soon. Like I was like, I should do that one. But I'm glad you did it because it was a good. It was a good themed episode. It was. It was. It is. It really is. You did a great job telling it. Thank you. I mean. It was a yeah. lot of words that are not in our native English dialect mm-hmm. of speech, but I tried mm-hmm. my best. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate Thank it. You. Um, well, well, let's do some fuck, Mary kills. We're still in Pisces season mm-hmm. and I think we, you know, there's a lot of Pisces out there. So let's, let's see what, okay. what we want to do here. You going to go first? I've got gotcha. you. Yeah. So I'm going to go, so, you know, it's on, on theme with Justin Bieber what a disaster mm, perfect <laughs> and we were talking about <laughs> it earlier so we'll do Justin Bieber we're gonna do Adam Levine mm. okay and I know and we're gonna I know <laughs> and we're gonna do Steve Irwin <laughs> isn't he already dead okay. yeah <laughs> but if he wasn't okay, we'll go with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay Adam Levine Steve Irwin, Irwin and Justin Bieber yeah. Oh, yeah, oh okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to kill Adam Levine. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. I am 100%. going to sleep with Justin Bieber and marry Steve yes. Irwin. This isn't the this right is, answer. It was an it easy was an, one. It was yeah. an easy one. For sure. I am do not want to be Haley Bieber. Thank you very much. Not right now. No. Definitely not. I wouldn't want to be her right <laughs> now, but I also wouldn't want to be married to Justin Bieber. <laughs> Um, okay, so mine are Millie Bobby Brown. Okay. Drew Barrymore. Okay. And Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, I love all of them. I know, it's a tough one. <laughs> Dang yep. it. I'm going to. So yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have sex with Drew Barrymore just because I feel like they're just too young for me. I need somebody a bit older to, to I get it. with. Yeah. Um, and then but you I can will... marry a child bride <laughs> yeah i'll marry olivia Ro- no i'm not i'm gonna marry i'm gonna <laughs> marry my child bride millie bobby brown <laughs> millie bobby brown and i'm gonna kill olivia rodrigo that's my final answer yeah i think i think you're right i can't i can't yeah. sleep with olivia or millie They're, they are too young for me mm-hmm. too young um yeah. 
And I think of all of them, Olivia is the only one I'd be like, okay with killing. So I'm going to keep, <laughs> I'll keep your, I'm going to go with yours. I like her. I yeah, just don't I mean, know her, her enough. Like, I don't sick. really know oh. her. Per, like, yeah. Cause I know Drew and Millie really personally. So I feel, yeah, like, <laughs> I feel like I can't do that to them. They might like be really upset when I speak to them next. So. And I heard that Olivia and Taylor might be beefing and you know, I have to stick with my girl. Taylor. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. I was okay with killing Olivia because I knew that her and Taylor were friends. And I was just like, uh-huh. and I was like, yeah, I'm like, I can, I can knock one of Taylor's friends out. That's fine. Trying to, trying to free up a spot on her friendship. For you. For yourself. For you. Huh? For you. I'm doing for it for you. <laughs> Thanks, Angel. I'd love to hear about the beef, uh, anyway. though, but I think we need to wrap up this episode, so. Yeah, I actually, there isn't, there's no news about it, just that. There's a beef. Apparently, okay, they're not well, friends. Well, stay yeah. tuned. Fucking... <laughs> Next episode. Okay. Unleash the beef. Stay tuned and stay spooky. (laughs) This show is baby. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.